This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Thanks for joining me today, and sorry I didn't get an episode out, but it's been one heck of a week. Actually, I changed my schedule so that I could rearrange things so that I would be able to do some flying at the front end of the month so I could get the back end of the month off so I can make it over to Air Venture. Uh, talk a little bit about that day in the life, but before I start, let me talk a f- about a few announcements here. First of all, AviationCareersPodcast.com slash scholarships. We have a couple new scholarships in the guide. The June 29th, 2018 edition is now live, and it includes two new scholarships, the OX5 Aviation Pioneer Scholarship Flight Training Scholarship, between $250 to $1,000. There's another scholarship that's available, the Charles Colgan Aviation Aerospace Scholarship from the Virginia Aviation Business Association, and that's for $2,000. Go check those out at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. Remember, it's only $10. You get one-year access to the guide. It is available in iTunes and, uh, excuse me, in the iBook store and also in the Amazon store, but the problem with buying it there is that you have to send me your receipt from the Amazon book, and then I'll give you access to uh, one year on the website. Probably be easier just to go to that website and pick it up. I've listened to you, and it uh, sounds like you really do like the new guide that has the PDF format. Basically, what we do is it's a course and shows you a little bit about uh, scholarships. We're going to add some more things to that courseware, but the most important part is that scholarships guide at the end. It's a PDF file, and you can download it. And don't forget, you get updates for a full year. So for only $10, you get updates to these scholarships. And it's for everybody. Anybody that wants in careers or wants to further their education or just further their flying in general. It's a really cool opportunity, that's for sure. Well, anyway, let's get started. I have a few uh, questions from some listeners. Uh, But before I, I alluded to something I did this week. I decided to pack my schedule together, and this has been a long time since I've done this, and I'm probably not going to do it again, Uh, just kind of some of this inside the industry uh, information. I wound up doing a a seven-day trip. Well, we don't really have seven-day trips at the airline, so what I did is this. I did a four-day trip, and then I did a three-day trip. Now, with all that said, it was really cool because... Uh, you know, with the new rules, you have to have 30 hours of rest, and I was able to get around that by having enough rest before I started my trip. But that's on FAR 117, something to look into. We, we can do actually a course on 117. That would probably be good for you folks too. talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but what was really neat is I got to go up to New Jersey in Newark. Of course, you know, I'm from that area, and I was able to get some things done at the house. And uh, And then after that, I went over to uh, this next trip. I went to somewhere I really wanted to visit. And this is the cool thing about being an airline pilot is you get to go visit some really neat areas and do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So what did I do? I flew to Bermuda and I stayed there for 22 hours, stayed at this really cool place uh, right on the uh, in Southampton. And I just, what an amazing island that was and incredible. Now, One of the neat things about it for me is I love lighthouses, so I was able to go explore um, one of the lighthouses, and it's Gibbs Hill Lighthouse, and it's right up on this hill that's right outside the hotel. was able to get my exercise by walking up that hill and exploring that. 
you know, I probably, uh, I'm not sure, but I probably would not have had this opportunity to go see this lighthouse and, and go explore this island and get paid to do it unless I worked for the airlines. It was really a lot of fun. One little aside about this was kind of interesting is uh, the airport there out in Bermuda, the closest airport to that airport, in other words, your diversionary airport or alternate, would be 600 miles away. So that's pretty darn far. Uh, and so you need to make sure you have enough gas to get there and also get to your alternate. Uh, we actually, uh, if we don't need an alternate, we bring a little extra gas with us, a couple hours worth of gas, uh, that's for sure. But uh, exciting stuff was really cool. Uh, another neat thing is, you know, as the airline I work for goes more to satellite communications, uh, I was able to get use SATCOM over the, over the Atlantic there. And, uh, you know, obviously had a, uh, broadcast on, on you know HF frequency, but also was able to get some ACARS, uh, which is uh, our our reporting system that we can get the ADIS and information over the over the computer, which was really cool, and was able to uh, do that throughout the route. So that was a lot of fun. But little inside baseball, I thought you'd appreciate uh, listening to that. But that is one of the cool things about the job. You do get to visit some really neat places and have some fun. So I'd like to relate those things to you. But anyway, let's get started with your questions. Of course, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And we can answer those questions, of course, with uh, specific needs. We do the coaching, and that's uh, on the coaching course online. And you can find all that on the website there at Aviation Careers Podcast. So here we go. The first question it says, I've been listening to your podcast ever I got into AMP school in 2016 just to get more of an insight in the aviation industry. I gained a lot of knowledge from listening to them, but I've noticed that most of the episodes are heavily about pilots. I was wondering <laughs> and you, if you could give us AMP some love and maybe have an episode about uh, being a mechanic in the industry. What's the best, best route to go and, and to get to the major airlines? And what are some of the things an entry-level mechanic should think about when landing the first job? Thank you for all your time and keep up the good work. Well, actually, you're right. Uh, I think I mentioned this in a, a previous episode. We did do one a while ago that was really good. It, and things haven't uh, changed. The prospects are still really good. It was a very good informational podcast back in episode six. So I linked to that in the show notes. If you're listening on your phone right now, you can actually go down and click on that. You'll see that uh, and you can play that from there. Also, you can download it from iTunes, episode number six. Uh, but you're correct. We're trying to get some other folks here uh, back online uh, with uh, some mechanics and go out and interview those folks. We're going to do more of that, uh, just kind of getting back on track with things. Uh, had a bunch of things in my personal life had to uh, get straight, but uh, we'll definitely will do that for you. Really good time to be a mechanic. It's a good time to be anybody right now because there is definitely a labor shortage in general, especially uh, in the United States and in other countries, but uh, for those that are outside the U.S. listening to us. But thanks for that question, and yes, definitely we will do more of those shows with mechanics. Uh, that interview, by the way, was with National Aviation Academy. Really good uh, friends of the podcast, really nice people. Uh, they've let us use their facilities, especially for the FAA safety program, uh, where I lecture every so often. And uh, just really, really terrific people been around for a long time. Good newsletter, by the way. If you want to know something about the industry, go sign up for their newsletter on that link that I have in those episode. Uh, in the episode, I have a whole bunch of links. So go check that out. Really good stuff. And of course, there's, there's scholarships and our scholarships guide for mechanics. Next question uh, says, I appreciate you letting me write you with some questions. First off, as Jason mentioned, I'm a big fan of your podcast and want to thank you for taking the time to produce those. 
Uh, Jason Shepard, thanks uh, for referring this person. That's who he's talking about with Jason M zero A. He has some really good courses on doing a private instrument commercial. Uh, it's uh, guaranteed you'll pass your 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 written exam. And uh, he just check out his his website m zero dot com. Anyway, this person continues. I recently listened to episode one fifty two, choosing the best airline. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in aviation science in two thousand five. During college, I wanted to become an airline pilot, but fell into the corporate side after graduating, and for the most part, have enjoyed the lifestyle. Right now, I'm a chief pilot for Part 91, and I fly and manage a King Air. I have lots of turbine multi-PIC, and uh, about six months of Part 135 time, but no 121. Last year, I decided that I needed to try to pursue the original airline dream while the hiring boom is going on. The idea of making great money over 30 years with a set schedule is very intriguing to me. I know if I don't give my best shot right now, the 50-year-old in me will be mad at the current 36-year-old me for not trying when I had the chance. Currently, he's a 36, and you're right. Uh, you are young, and at 50, you'll be looking back saying, gosh, I should have done that earlier. We all do that. You're going to say that now. Boy, I wish I did it earlier. Uh, and that brings up a good point. We'll talk about that later. Uh, actually, I'll talk about that now. First of all, uh, if you love aviation, get into it now. Even if we do have a recession, try to hang with it. I know you got to pay your bills, and that's incredibly important, yes. Uh, but try to stay with the industry. I've seen a lot of people, I, and like I said, I worked for the union for years. I watched people get out of the industry, get back into the industry, get and leave the industry, and come back into the st- industry like two, three times. Uh, there's there's going to be downturns. There's going to be the upswings. Uh, a lot of people, what happens when they leave the industry, they make a lot more money outside the industry uh, in whatever it is they're doing, and then they can't move back into it with alacrity. They can't They can't just jump back into the industry. So what happens is uh, they have to wait again, and by the time they get back into it, they hit the next downturn in the industry, and that kind of happens a lot. It's all about timing, uh, as they say, but it, it's more about persistence and perseverance is really what it's all about. So you have to ride out the bad times. Uh, the bad times, you may have to go and do something else, but while you're doing something else, try to get some flying in, that's for sure. So if you do get furloughed, etc., it's time to start building time. And people say, oh, well, there's not going to be any furloughs, et cetera. It can't happen. Uh, well, there are airlines that are furloughing right now, but that's mainly because of a business issue for them. It has not as much to do with the economy because the economy is doing really well. But there is no airline, no company that can say that they never would even consider furloughing or they've never had to actually cut back on their pilot flying, et cetera. Uh, some have prevented furloughs by letting people go on leaves of absence, but every single company in the United States, everywhere in the world, is going to come on hard times. And uh, and depending on where you are on the seniority list, uh, it'll actually affect you more than others. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, so build your flight time, uh, make a good time, and also try to move forward as quickly as you can. Anyway, uh, moving on with his question. Uh, he said, so I've applied uh, to United, Southwest, Delta, and FedEx. Out of those, which is the one you'd prefer? And also, is your airline better for quality of life? I honestly can't afford to fly for the regionals and prefer to commute over moving my wife and kids. Uh, I have a hookup at Southwest that gets me past the computer system and straight to an interview, but nothing's transpired within that eight months now. From what I understand, with the company culture at Southwest, it sounds like a great fit for me personally, but I think I'd be happy at any major as long as I can commute nonstop from where I am to the base. 
Thank you again for your time, and thank you as well for Jason for linking us up. And yes, thank you, Jason Shepard, for linking us up and also being a big promoter of the scholarship uh, guide, and also he does have some scholarships in there. So thanks again to Jason. But let's go back to your specific airline questions. Uh, that is a big question, by the way. And obviously, we, we do those answers in a coaching session usually about specific airlines. Uh, we I don't mention too many things here because what happens is when I record these podcasts, uh, first of all, I things change, and you might be listening to this a couple of years from now. So the quality of life at a certain airline, say Delta, is better uh, than, say, United or whatever. But uh, five years from now, when you listen to the show, it might be opposite. Uh, in general, we're talking currently, uh, things are really good at the airlines. There's new contracts coming out. Quality of life is a really interesting topic, though, very important topic that you mentioned. Quality of life is things like how many days off do you have? How much uh, flying do you, do you get paid for while you're at work, which enables you to work less? Uh, and that sounds kind of strange, but it's really important. In, in your contracts with your airline and where you work, quality of life is so important. For instance, say you work like three days and your airline, say, pays you a minimum of, I don't know, say two hours per day. And maybe you only fly for five hours in those three days. Uh, so two days minimum, or excuse me, two hours per day minimum, that's three days, that's six hours of pay. That's well, three days, six hours of pay. That's not so good, is it? Uh, that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. Uh, people are getting away from that. Uh, Industries uh, uh, leading uh, right now contracts are about five hours, six hours a day of pay, which is really good. So it makes them, the airline, want to make their schedules more efficient for you, and it also enables you to make more money and get more days off because now you don't have to work as many hours. So, for instance, the same person who has those three days on at another airline that pays five hours today gets 15 hours of pay where you only get six. Now you got to work extra days to make up the, the difference in pay. Hopefully that makes sense. Any question on that, I, I'd really love to talk a little bit more about. So anyway, getting back to the question as far as uh, quality of life, uh, my obviously my specific airline I don't speak about, and that's something I can talk about more of on a private level. Uh, I don't speak about that on, at other airlines as much because of the fact that there is uh, so much information out there on the internet as far as the contracts are concerned. Uh, Airline Pilot Central has a really good overview of the contracts. The only downside is sometimes on the forums, you don't really get the, the true sense of what it's like to work there unless you talk to specific people at the airline. Uh, I do have people that come in that want to talk about their specific airline. Usually there's someone in the communications department, and I, I understand you want to talk to a line pilot. So a lot of times in my coaching sessions, I try to hook you up with uh, with an actual line pilot to talk at those airlines. A lot of those contracts are available online. They're a little bit tough to find sometimes uh, because you're trying to make that educated guess as to where you need to go. But really, it's a little bit about networking and say, hey, can you send me a, a contract? A uh, good example is uh, reading the contract at uh, one of the airlines, let's say United, for instance. I think it was like six or 700 pages long. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of reading. And you may not understand what all these things mean, but uh, like a quality of life issue, let's talk a little bit about that. How much vacation you get and how much allocation for vacation you get. Do you get vacation during those really peak months, months like in the summer, over the Christmas holiday? Do you get those time, those days off? Um, 
maybe there's only enough vacation time for really super senior people and you're never going to be super senior. So those are the things you need to really consider when you're looking at a contract. Pay is important, uh, but also how many hours you get paid in a day. I just mentioned that, quality of life. Uh, it's, uh, it's really important for me personally to have that quality of life. I like my days off. I like to do this. I love to do the podcasting and all. I've had, uh, I just worked seven days straight so I could get, uh, the next, the second half of my month off. Honestly, I'm not going to do that again. Oh man, that was tough. I am wore out. I'm recording this now and I, I'm just like, man, I still have not recovered from that long trip. Uh, and I know I get to go to some really cool places, but it really is, it's good to have downtime and be at home and relax. And even on some of these, uh, trips, especially when you're doing domestic flying, you're, you're getting maybe 16 to 20 hours off, uh, to get some rest or maybe 12 hours. And it's really tough to, to catch up. So anyway, great question. Um, it's not your, I think what you're doing is a great idea, but now it's, you got to put some meat to it and, uh, and start thinking about, you know, getting another, getting a coach or somebody who can help you out. Uh, like we do that, the coaching, but also, uh, get some mentors and do some, some, uh, and soul searching and also look at your application. Uh, that's something we help people with, you know, why is it you might not be getting hired, et cetera. And, uh, and maybe it's, it's time also to, to start looking at the possibility of getting some time with a 121, but that's something we really have to discuss. But anyway, thanks for the question. Great information. And thanks for passing on that along. Anyway, next question comes in, says, uh, first, let me say thanks for producing such a great content on your podcast. You and your guests have been a great inspiration for me and have rekindled the passion I have for flying. I began training for my private pilot license when I was 17 and loved it, but stopped one flight prior to my first solo. I did not consider this career again due to the advice from family, friends, pilots who indicated the industry was very difficult to penetrate and I should pursue a different career. This is in the 1990s. Um, boy, I wish, I wish they didn't say that because yeah, it's, there's always difficult times and no matter what it is you do. Uh, but anyway, I mentioned that before he continues in the mid two thousands, I considered attending an accelerated flight school, but at the time the airline industry climate was still not as favorable as it appears today. Therefore, I again, again, did not pursue that path. A big mistake. Yes. All the information I read and hear today indicates a hiring frenzy at the regionals, plus an increase of pilot age limitation to 65, which has rekindled my curiosity and interest. I recently started researching local flight schools and went on to an intro flight, and I rediscovered why I wanted to pursue this career. I'm hooked at 47 years old and realistic about the expectations of my aviation career goals. I expect it's unlikely at best that I can reach the majors, I'm open to various pilot jobs, uh, regionals, corporate, etc. This is perfectly fine as I have discovered life is too short not to pursue my dreams. And now I just want to fly. However, income is also important. And ideally, I'd like to make $90,000 after three to five years as a professional pilot. But my window is certainly closing fast. And I realize my situation is now or never. No matter my career plan, I will obtain my private pilot license. Good for you, by the way. Before jumping into my questions, I've listed some details about my life situation. Obviously, we're not going to talk about his life situation, but um, uh, he and and this is someone who's perfectly for coaching and all uh, to talk about the specifics about his. But uh, he has some really good questions I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, his first question is: Is it possible to stay in a geographic area for training and the CFI and eventually work for a corporate or regional in that area? 
Uh, yes, I know it's a tall order, and although time is of the essence due to my age, I've ruled out the accelerated program as I need to keep my job right until I get my flight instructor position. What are your thoughts on my geographic limitation? Okay, in general, we're talking here. A geographic limitation isn't a limitation if you live in a city that has an airline. Obviously, right? So this person has an airline in their hometown. Uh, many of you, especially if you live in the Northeast, in the New York area, uh, L.A., those type of areas, Boston, uh, Chicago, uh, Houston, places where there's lots of different regionals, Atlanta, those are good places to be if you can commute there, drive there to work. By commuting, I mean even driving to work to get to that job, you can easily do that that job, that, that job with that regional. Uh, so as far as the thoughts on the geographic location, uh, in a big city, first of all, big cities, easy. I mean, he's in a big city. You can get some corporate jobs. Your flight instructing jobs are there. There's just a much higher and more increased target area for what it is you want to do. Um, but it's really, really important to think about that, you know, to, to look, uh, forward and there's another I was going to answer another question you have but you you reiterate it again later but yes if you're in a geographic location that's very far away there's a lot of talk and that needs has to be done this is where I start uh, we start thinking about the possibility of you know going to a, a buying your own airplane that type of thing one of those things I normally don't tell people they should do but it can work for many people and it has worked for people in the past uh, but I think you're in a good spot anyway Question two, although time's of the essence due to my age, I, all, I also must pay off the house before quitting the job and pursuing the flight training full time. I'm preparing financially for this change and plan to fund my flight education out of pocket and pay as I go while also paying off the house. Does it likely place my start time as a CFI around age 49-ish than two or three years to build hours? Is this too late? Great question. Um, it isn't too late, no. A lot of people get started at that age. Uh, obviously, you, you're realistic about your goals and how long you have. In general, it, it doesn't have to do only with aviation. Any career you start, you change now, you don't have as many years to build that time and experience. Uh, you know, A lot of jobs out there reaching that five-year mark is very important. Even the, the same in aviation. Uh, you know, When you get into that five years, which a lot of times is 2,500, 3,000 hours or so, uh, or more if you've been working for a regional, then yeah, then you have a lot of opportunities open for you. So is it too late? No, especially since you're someone that really wants to pursue their their dream and their career. So next question. It'd be nice to work for a major, and I'm willing to get a four-year degree, but from what I've read, it's difficult to reach the majors in your 50s, even with a degree. Is reaching the majors in my 50s even a possibility? Of course it is. They're hiring lots of folks in their 50s. Uh, depends on who you're you're going to work for, even though... Uh, ageism is, is an issue. You know, they're at certain airlines, it doesn't matter. Uh, in general, uh, there's there's such a shortage right now at the majors and at the regionals. Yeah, finding, finding qualified people uh, has been tougher. They're going up into the upper ages. I see lots of people getting hired at different airlines in their 50s. Uh, you know, it used to be that wasn't true because they're going to put so much money into you and, and obviously you're going to have to retire in the, in the not too distant future. But, you know, in your 50s, you got a good, you know, 10, 15 years left with that airline. Uh, the only difference that'll make for you, of course, is uh, you won't be able to get to the top of the pay scale a lot of times. Many of the pay scales top at 12, 12 years. You may just make it to that top pay scale uh, before you retire. With that said, uh, five-year pay at a major airline is pretty darn good. You got to remember... 
five-year pay at a major, especially obviously if you're a captain, you're you're within that top two to four percent wage earners in the United States. So you're still making really good money. Uh, say you don't make it to the to the captain pay or whatever. Still, if you're only making like 150 thousand a year as an FO, hey, that's really good pay. And uh, you know that's that's a great income compared to a lot of other incomes that are out there. Uh, obviously, the captain pays. I always talk about two hundred thousand or so as captain pay. Uh, I like to keep it on the low end so they don't overestimate. I know there's lots of people making double to triple that out there, but I don't like to talk about that. I like to be really realistic about that. So <clears throat> yes, you can definitely do that and make really good money. Uh, the other thing too is you want to keep obviously saving for retirement, and that's uh, what's cool is the regionals have better retirement, and the majors, of course have some of the best retirements out there. Next question is this. And these are great questions, by the way. And thanks thanks for you know asking all these uh, questions. And this is somebody that actually signed up for coaching, and, and it's, it's been a, a pleasure working with him. Obviously, I can't uh, give you personal information, but this is really good stuff. Uh, first, uh, last question is, and finally, very important, is income. What would be the most efficient path to reach the $100,000 threshold? Love that question. Uh, I've read the corporate jobs are in higher salaries quicker, but tend to cap out around 120 to 130,000. While regional pilots start around 55,000, it takes longer time to reach 100k, and if you reach the majors, pay increases greatly. I'm leaning towards corporate as I believe this will provide the best ROI, return on investment, and stability for time I have left until age 65. What are your thoughts and advice? All of this, of course, this course is moot. This point. Uh, to question if question one they're not favorable thank you in advance for your response and insight you know question one uh you know is it is it possible in his geographic area to do the training and we've gotten past that and said yeah he's in a big city so that's that's good so let's work through this a hundred thousand dollar threshold let's talk a little bit about that um uh and you said age 65 by the way corporate jobs don't have that restriction uh, it depends on their insurance, but most of them don't have that restriction at age 65. Uh, so if you're going to go the corporate route, uh, that's that's a different world, especially Part 91. You're really not limited on age. It's more limited on whether you can hold your medical and for your commercial license. Remember, as an airline pilot, just so people understand, you need to be able to hold a first-class medical to be a captain at a major airline. And past 65, you can't no longer work for a major airline. So what's going to happen? You're going to be out of a job. Well, a lot of people go on to other jobs. But why not stay with a corporate job, which a lot of my friends, I was just having this discussion with a, a, a gentleman friend of mine who's involved in actually buying a new aircraft so they can fly around the world with it and involved in designing it, making really good money. Um, as far as that cap salaries, that 120 to 130, he made more than that in his first year at a, at a corporate job. So how in the world does that compute? Well, corporate jobs are the salary starting can vary tremendously depending on where you're working. So what I like to tell people is the bigger the jet, the more money you're going to make. So if you're flying a corporate 747, you're probably going to be making more money than a corporate 421, okay? Because it's a much bigger airplane. Not too many people have 747s that are in this country. There's a few of them. Uh, I do have a friend that's flying a corporate 747, uh, and it's really awesome job, but uh, those are pretty unique jobs. 
So let's get a little more practical. Let's talk a little bit about like the global expresses and the Gulf streams and those salaries. You can easily get to those those type of uh, salaries just in in, in short order. Uh, the most efficient path, though, to getting to a hundred thousand dollars, currently it, it's it's not the way you think. You have to look at your situation, where you are. It's geographic. If you find a regional in your area that has a quick upgrade and also enables you to make some extra money, you can make that 100K at a regional. Uh, for me, even in the bad times, I was hired in 01. It took me about uh, five years to get to that six-figure income. Uh, worked a little extra. I played the system, that kind of thing. Uh, but it was about five years there. Uh, you could definitely do that on a regional side. Um, but if you want to get to that 100000 it's it, it's doable at a regional and a major. Obviously... If you go to a major, you're going to start making that after about two years, and obviously goes way up after that, uh, especially with overtime and things like that. I know people – I'll just give you an example. By the way, this is a, a one-off kind of thing. There's just maybe 2 3% of the people doing this, so don't don't say, oh, you know, Carl said you can make this kind of money. But I know guys at work after their second year – as a first officer making you know one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars, but they know how to play the system they 've read the contract uh, that is very difficult to do in your first second or third year, and your life we went remember we were talking about quality of life a couple uh, questions ago. your quality of life goes to nothing you 're basically going to be working for the airline every single day. These guys are on reserve, they volunteer for reserve every day, that type of thing uh, so it's it 's not going to be a fun job. So there's a practical side to this. You do want to see your family. You mentioned you had a, a spouse and some kids. You want to be around those folks. But uh, anyway, this is. I hope that's helped you out. Uh, when what's the most efficient path to reach a hundred thousand uh, threshold? That all depends on you. That is actually the 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 answer I'm going to give you. It depends. I hate to do that, but it always depends. It's on your specific situation and where you can go and how quickly you can get there. Uh, but it can be at the regionals. It also can be uh, through jumping into a corporate job, depending on how much uh, how much networking you're able to do. Uh, to get those jobs. And I understand the regionals are paying only about 55000 Some are paying up in the 70s to start. Uh, but that also <clears throat> includes the possibility of upgrading the captain within two years. And that's really where you want to get to. Uh, let's be practical about that, by the way. Uh, captains at, at the at the regionals, let's say $70,000 uh, up to you know 100 in the beginning. Obviously, I know my buddies are making 135, 140. They're senior captains at some of these regionals, up to 200,000. But I'm not talking that. I'm trying to be practical here, uh, so I don't, you know, I want to have real practical expectations for yourself. So it can be done. Uh, but again, it's all about you and your quality of life. We all have to make those decisions. I make a decision based on where I want to be, what I want to do. You listening are going to make a decision based on what's important for you, and that's what you have to figure out based on your time and based on your age and based on your passion and what you can do. It's very specific to your own situation. So anyway, if you need help, obviously, uh, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. Check out our coaching page. I know that I'm getting really booked up with the coaching. Uh, we obviously do some interview prep. I try to only do that with the folks that I coach uh, because we're getting way too many requests for that. I'm getting back on track with the videos. We had obviously had a personal issue in my life that I'm still trying to wrap up now, and uh, you know I had a loss of a family member, my father. And uh, once things get and they're starting to get on track again, uh, and I'm really excited to start doing this. This has really been inspirational for me. And thanks so much for the questions because it really keeps me going too, especially through through this time here. And by the way, 
those folks that are buying the scholarships guide, let me know if what if it's helping. Also, let me know some of the scholarships that you've been awarded. I'd like to pass that along to some other people to keep them inspired uh, because for just $10, we have over $50 million in the scholarships guide uh, of scholarships. Obviously, some don't apply to all of you, but if you just get one scholarship, it's going to be worth the $10. And this is kind of my, my way of giving back to the community. Uh, you know, we try to cover all our costs. Uh, it's only $10. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun when I hear someone say, Hey, listen, I got this scholarship and I was able to get my private pilot license because I saw it in your scholarships guy. That really makes a huge difference in my life. So I really would love if you could just, you know, send that feedback to me, uh, and send your friends over there, check it out. You know, I want, I want everybody to pursue their goals in life and, and pursue their dreams. Um, because I think that's really important is to pursue your dreams and to listen to this show, decide whether this is for you. You know, maybe an aviation career is not for you. It, it may not be flying. It, it's something else. I mean, I love aviation in general. If I wasn't flying, I'd be doing something else in aviation. It's just a, such a cool career field and so much fun. So check out all the different things that we have there and the different jobs. And like I said, we're going to have a lot more people on to answer these type of questions and, uh, and get some feedback from them. Well, folks, I really appreciate the questions you've sent in to me. I really appreciate all the, the letters you sent to me and, and telling us that this has really been helping you. But one of the things I want you to do is I want you to reflect on on this episode. You know, there's a lot of questions. How do I get there quickly? And, you know, you've heard from people that are talking about getting in and out of the industry and know that right now is a great time in the industry to get hired. Uh, but look inside yourself and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Am I doing this career because I love it or is it for the money? I think if you do it because you love it, I think you're going to be much more satisfied because in general in life, when you do something for just the money, there's there's never enough okay, to make it worth it. But when you do something that actually fulfills yourself and your self-worth and it's something that you really love to do and feel like you're giving back to com- the community, you're giving back to the world, then that's something that's your passion, that's your life that's your vocation, and that'll make a big difference. So what I'd like you to do today is to, to just do something now as far as moving forward in your career. And that one thing I want you to do is reflect on why. Reflect on why you're doing what you're doing. And just think about it. Write it down. Why do I want to be an airline pilot? Why do I want to be a flight attendant? Why do I want to be a mechanic? What do I see? What is it? How is this going to fulfill my need to give to the world and to society do that for me today do that now and let me know what you come up with i'd love to hear the feedback well folks it's been really a wonderful time talking to you we'll talk to you next episode safe flying you have been listening to aviation careers podcast an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.